the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We are coming into one of the most controversial sections of Scripture in the whole of the Bible, and that'll be in chapter 5 of Hebrews and chapter 6. And it is controversial because it's principally because some of the verses that are foundational to the belief that salvation is immiscible are found in this particular section of scripture. Amissable is one of those fancy uh, theological words that really just means that you can lose your salvation. And the Arminians actually get one of their principal tenets from this section of scripture. We're not going to hit that particular scripture today. We're going to be in, uh, finish out chapter five, but I'm going to do a little preparatory work, kind of break some ground before we head into that. Because This particular section of Scripture is a beachhead for the enemy so that he can distort people's perception or the believer's perception of their relationship with the Father. So I want to address that up front as we go through our exposition of Hebrews. Now these passages that we're going to look at require a lot more than a passive glance. They are to be interpreted by the use of sound hermeneutics. And hermeneutics is really just a science of interpretation. It can be applied to a lot of things, not just theology. Also, the context. We have to look at the emphasis of the book. And I believe it's extremely important, and you've heard me say this before, to be consistent with the whole of the New Covenant as well as the whole of the Bible. It must fit the God of the Scriptures and his determination towards man. Now, I will tell you that no man's interpretation or exposition of the Scripture is infallible. Only the Word of God is infallible. I am not infallible, which you probably already discovered. So as we go through this, we are looking for the Spirit of God to guide us, the author. We're looking for the wisdom of God to open our eyes and our minds to hear the truth and to accept the truth gladly. thing is, God is not hiding his truth, waiting for the scholarly to come along and unearth it. And I know that a lot of um, theologians tend to give that impression. 
But that's not the truth of it at all. All God requires of you is a yielded mind, a yielded heart, a desire. We're going to talk about that. A desire, an appetite. If you open the Word of God with an appetite for Him, not just to know, not just to know about, but an appetite for Him, an appetite to know what it is to live in union with Him, an appetite to know His love for you, an appetite to experience all that He has for you, a desire to be with Him. I know that early on in dating, we find that special someone the love of our life, we will use any excuse to be with them. Isn't that right? And we'll even go to their relatives' weddings and funerals. We'll go to those things. Even though we would not want to go to them normally, we will go to them just so we can be with them. We'll go to the restaurant we really don't like. This is all a prelude to marriage when you can exert your opinion. But the reality of it is... That we will give anything to be able to be in there. We get on the phone with them. This is back in the day when we were tethered by a long cord or a short one. And we just stand there and breathe. You hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Don't want to break that connection. That's the kind of relationship our God longs for with us and created for us. Now, I want to begin to remind you of some verses. I chose these verses because they're foundational to what we believe about the finished work of Christ. And one of them is, is basically a, uh, a New Te- Old Testament verse or New Testament verse. It's the story of Nicodemus. And in John 3, it says, Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. It's John 3, verse 1. A ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one could do these signs that, uh, that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's cutting to the chase, huh? Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he will enter, he will cannot, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said, you are a teacher of Israel, and you do not understand these things? You see, salvation is not just about forgiveness. If we believe that salvation is just about forgiveness, then we are grossly immature. That's a misunderstanding. It's a misunderstanding that allows people to believe that salvation can be transitory, that we could lose it. Why? 
Jesus just made the point that you have to be born again, not just forgiven, but born again. That which is of flesh is flesh, that which is of spirit is spirit, and the two are not the same, are they? There are Christians who have life, but haven't begun to live. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral spiritual condition, have passed away. Behold, new things have come, because spiritual awakening brings new life. Those that believe that salvation is immiscible or that it can somehow, they can somehow lose their salvation are saying that we can reverse the creation process. We can resurrect what Christ has put to death and that the new creation is transient and unstable and you may be uncreated in Christ and return to your unregenerate state as a son of Adam. Does that sound probable? How do we believe this? How do we allow people to convince us of this? They have dismissed spiritual birth. They have adopted external righteousness that is as fickle as their perception and behavior. Then I will finish with this short preliminary argument with Paul's salvation testimony. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. That is, in him I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now you've heard me teach on this verse many times. But look at what Paul is saying. Does this look like this condition is temporary? The eye that went to the cross with Christ no longer lives. And now it is the new eye animated by the resurrection life of Christ that lives in the body. And this now is my life that is lived out experientially by faith. Does that sound like a salvation that could be lost? That somehow we would go back. That somehow we would be birthed without Christ once again as a son or a child of Adam. That the new creation would be no more. Does that sound probable? We have to dismiss a lot of scripture to believe that salvation may be lost or undone. It is only possible if you believe that salvation is simply forgiveness towards you based on the sacrifice of Christ and maintained by your ability to live a righteous life. That is the only way you could believe it. People who believe this have totally dismissed the truth of why Christ came. They only believe that they have been forgiven to suffer through this life and hopefully one day go to heaven if they don't mess up in between. Christ becomes a temporary sacrifice like the Old Testament sacrifices offered year after year for your salvation if you follow this. I'm bringing this up because I have talked with people and they want to argue that salvation is immiscible. Based on the scriptures that we're going to look at, maybe not today, but even further down. And the enemy has put such a cloud of doubt and fear into their souls. 
And it is so unnecessary. So I want you to start into this section of Scripture foundationally assured. So that even the very suggestion that the accuser might make to your mind, you can turn, so to speak, to him and say, that makes no sense whatsoever. That's not even logical. How could you even suggest such a thing? You're telling me there's no such thing as gravity. I will not embrace such a lie. But millions do. Millions do. Now, as to our text, that will be Hebrews chapter 5, verses 10 through 14. And he is addressing the immature, immaturity of Hebrew believers. At least this is how I interpret it. There are expositors that believe he's specifically addressing unbelievers. And the reality is that he is talking to a mixed audience. That there were believers which I believe represent the majority, the believers... And then there are the apostate or the lost who have not yet received Christ as their Savior. And then among the believers, there were also the carnal. And I believe that the majority of the church was living in various states of carnality. Some may have even made a profession of faith, but never really believed. And some of these turned away from the faith, basically apostatized. They were apostates. They made a profession and then turned away. And that's really what apostasy is. It's a turning away. It's standing afar off. You may recall that we looked at that word when we did Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12, where it says, take care, brothers and sisters. He's addressing this mixed audience, that there not be in any one of you a wicked heart, unbelieving heart, which refuses to trust and rely on the Lord, a heart that turns away from the living God. And the phrase turns away is the Greek word aphistome, which means to stand off or to cause to withdraw. So we have several different types of people who would be in attendance with this letter was read. These verses have to do with the maturity of the believer. So they are most likely directed at the believer. So As we look at this, keep that in mind. Our text today, as I said, will be Hebrews chapter 5, verses 10 through 14. And I'm going to actually start in verse 9 because that kind of completes the context. Would you stand with me as I read God's word? And having been made perfect, uniquely equipped and prepared as Savior, and retaining his integrity amid opposition... He became the source of eternal salvation and eternal inheritance to all who who obey him, being designated by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Concerning this, we have much to say, but it's hard to explain, since you have become dull and sluggish in your spiritual hearing and disinclined to listen. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, because of the time you've had to learn these truths, you actually need someone to teach you, again, the elementary principles of God's word from the beginning. And you have come to be continually in need of milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a spiritual infant." But solid food is for the spiritually mature, whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and what is 
evil. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, again, he is talking to a wayward audience, the immature, the carnal, but the majority of which were believers. I know to a large degree I am speaking to the choir, and that means that most of you wouldn't be here if you were not very much interested in maturing and going forward in the Lord. This word, though, is a word of caution to us to maintain that appetite, to determine to go forward, to mature. Look at verse 9. And having been made perfect, uniquely equipped and prepared as as Savior, and retaining his integrity amid opposition, he became the source of eternal salvation and eternal inheritance to all who obey him. Verse 10, being designated by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And as we said last week of verse 9, he is the originator of salvation for man. Before him, there was no salvation in the priesthood, only the hope of atonement. He met the will of God perfectly with his obedience. He was birthed into sinless perfection and never violated that conformity to the will of God. He did this so that he might be the perfect sacrifice for us. It was for us who will choose to enter into the obedience of faith. He is designated by God as our perfect, eternal high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, able to save to the uttermost. Before time, before the foundations of the earth were formed, God designated his son as our high priest. The high priesthood of the Son was essential to man's relationship with the triune God before the first man was ever created. Why is that? Because the high priesthood facilitates a relationship. And man was created for a relationship. Jesus was designated as that holder, protector, maintainer of that relationship. Not that that relationship could ever be broken, but he stands with the Father in total agreement with the the emphasis of the triune God to continually impress upon our souls, our distracted souls, the reality of our connection with him. It is Jesus that brings us back from all of the confusion, from all of the distortion of sin. We've all sinned, haven't we? We've all fallen away. We've all failed to keep our, our devotion, our commitment to the truth. And yet Jesus is right there with us as our high priest. He is continually inviting us back. Not that we've left, but I'm talking about our soulish disposition of separation. Inviting us back to the truth of our intimacy with him. He is the one who is facilitating that intimacy between us and the counsel of the triune God. Before man was ever formed, before the first man was ever created... God designated his son as our high priest. You were born for intimacy. 
You were born with the supernatural help of the triune God to enter into the fellowship of the God of our salvation. Can you get excited about that? He is the originator of our salvation. The high priesthood of the Son was essential to man's relationship with the triune God from the very beginning. He was designated by the Father as our high priest after a specific order, the order of Melchizedek. Well, sir, what does that mean? What does that really mean? Well, he answers in verse 11. He says, hey, concerning this, we have much to say, and he'll get into that in chapter 7. And it is hard to explain, since you have become dull and sluggish in your spiritual hearing and disinclined to listen. In other words, he's saying, well, there's no simple answer here. There's a lot for you to understand, and it's hard to explain. There are very few things to point out in this verse, but I want to point out a few. First, we don't know who penned this letter, but we do know the author. It's the Spirit of God. So think about this. The Spirit of God points to their condition. He knows their condition better than they do. Do you think that they believe themselves to be dull? Do you think anybody in that group would say, you know what, you're right, I'm an idiot. I, you know, I, I don't get it. I, you're right. You're absolutely... No! They would sat there with their this pompous look on their face. Oh, no, no, I, I'm glad he's talking about that guy. But the Spirit of God is literally revealing to them. He's saying, you don't see what you don't see. And you don't understand what you don't understand. And you have not moved forward. In fact, there is a regression. Not in your relationship with the Lord, but in your ability to embrace and take hold of all that God has arranged for you through the high priest, Jesus. The Spirit of God is giving them a revelation of their condition. Something that no man is really equipped to do. He sees us as we are. We are sheep who need a shepherd. This is a wake-up call. I have a lot to say to you concerning the Melchizedekian high priesthood of Christ. But you are immature. You are self-satisfied in your Christian life. That word dull is, in the original language, it is nothras. It means slow of mind, sluggish of thought, or spiritually lethargic. And it's not about intellectual capacity. Or scholarship. There are many well-studied men who in pride and presumption have become deaf to the Spirit of God. I know that as a pastor that I can go into a sermon or a study with a selfish predisposition that will dull my ability to hear the Spirit. Just as you can come to church and sit there with an unyielded or undisciplined mind, never truly listening to the Spirit's voice. To worship in spirit and truth is to come yielded of heart to hear him. Not to hear me, to hear him. You are here in order to yield to the truth that you were made for him and to worship him in spirit and in truth. The Spirit of God doesn't say some of you when he, when he wrote this verse. He speaks to the whole assembly. He says you, and Paul is doing the same thing in are saying the same thing about the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, Paul says, 
And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh. Remember, flesh, spirit. As to infants, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not ready or yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshy. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, you are, are you not fleshy? Are you not walking like mere men? Mere men. In other words, your thoughts, your perceptions are completely soulish without the Spirit's influence. This is where the Hebrew believers were at. And now they were abandoning growth and truth for the external righteousness of Judaism. Verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers because of the time you have had to learn these truths, you actually need someone to teach you again the elementary principles of God's word from the beginning. And you have become, you have come to be continually in need of milk, not solid food. And that's the thing. One of the things mothers know is that if they don't train their kid to eat something with a little more stuff to it, a little more stability to it, they will never get a full night's sleep. You got to move them away from milk. You got to put them into cereal. You got to put something substantial in that little tummy or they won't sleep and they'll crave more and they'll crave more. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.